Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome back to Flipping Dreams. I'm your host, Heather Renee May, and today you get to meet Ashley Peak Wellman. Ashley is such an amazing lady. We instantly hit it off, and you are in for a treat with this conversation because there are lots of laughs amidst talking about some really deep life topics, and you will just be so refreshed by Ashley's outlook on life. She has recently released a book, a children's book called My Friend Fresno, The Girl Who Dances with Skeletons. And yes, she is all about Fresno and skeletons and criminology and flipping her dreams. And uh, I won't give away the rest of this show because there's just a lot of really aha bonus moments. So sit back and enjoy And again, you are here listening to Flipping Dreams. Hey, Ashley. We are. Hi. Hi. I never never wear my hair curly, so we're just going to rock it. I love it. It looks great. You look kind of like a rock star a little bit, I have to say. That's what we should do. I should rock that a lot then. Totally. How are you? I'm good. I was just going to say, and then you could like just put a guitar behind you mm-hmm. like some you know, what, like a leather jacket totally some studs yes, yes. <laughs> it's gonna be my new look I forget children's book author i'm gonna just become a rock star right i mean it's never too late really no you know flip your dreams exactly i was just gonna say oh my in the God, I love spirit it. of flipping dreams like yes. yeah go for it <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Let's just dive right in because I know we're kind of awesome. on a time constraint. Yeah. And, um, welcome, Ashley, to Flipping Dreams. Hi. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Yes. So um, I'm really excited to hear your backstory because um, you have a criminal, a criminal law background. Is that... I wish. No, I would have been much smarter to do that. I'm actually, uh, I have a criminology. Uh, so criminology, law and society. And so I'm a PhD in criminology. Wow. That's so cool. So just fun fact, I went to John Jay College for my bachelor's thinking that I was going to do forensic psychology. And then I completely changed my major and I like got a fairy. So anyway, but like, I've always been really like excited about this. So, okay. I want to hear your whole story and then we're going to talk about your new book that's coming out. That's amazing. So So yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I have a million flip dreams. So I'm going to start your listeners on a journey of the fact that as a type A OCD planner, I've always had my entire life planned out and it has never gone according to that plan. So um, as a little girl, I actually would have told you I wanted to be a Broadway star. That is what I wanted to do. I would have um, performed the entire Wizard of Oz movie for you and anything we watched, I would recite back to you the next morning in full, you know, full showmanship. Um, I have a, I cannot sing on demand. 
And so that dream quickly <laughs> went out the window when I realized that I could not probably audition on the spot. Um, with that though, I think for my family, the way I was raised in my generation, the way I was raised was that you really wanted to seek a stable career. And that was so different than what my mom had been told. You know, my mom is from the generation where you could be a secretary, a nurse, or a teacher. And she so badly wanted to be a pediatrician. And so I think her pushing me towards a stable job was a stretch, you know, for like them dreaming and saying, hey, I wanted something like this. You should chase something. You know, they wanted me to be an attorney. So God bless if they hear that I studied criminal law. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But right, I think that was their generation. And so for me, it was very much like, you should be an attorney, you should be a doctor, you should be an accountant or something that's very stable. So the, the idea of being happy was never really something that was the crux of what my career was going to be. So I went to a school when I turned 18, I had my AA degree, I was a super nerd, I went to college in high school. And when I got to college, they said, Ash, you're 18, you have a you're a junior in college, you've got to pick what you want to be. And I said, Oh, well, um, I think criminal justice, because I like true crime. And they said, No, you don't want to do that. This is my advisor at college, terrible advisor, all college advisors listening. <laughs> don't crush dreams. <laughs> they said, um, you know, you don't want to do that. You'll be a police officer. And if you don't want to be a police officer, you should study something else. So I, be, I went into public relations. And my kind of fantasy was that one day I'd be this big wedding planner or I would be a big events planner and um, I worked at Barnes and Noble as a community relations manager one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life but I was also 20 years old and so I was working this full-time job you know all my friends who are 20 21 25 are getting to still go to sorority parties and here I am working my first career and I started working with the police department and they said um, you know, hey, let's partner on this library for these, you know, police athletic league kids. And I said, dang it, I really should have studied what my passion was. So I went back to graduate school in 2006. And in 2011, I got my PhD in criminology. That is so cool. It was very cool. And I thought that I really knew what I wanted. So actually in grad school, I had lied when I applied and I said, I just want to get, you know, I want, I told them I wanted to get my master's and my PhD because at the university of Florida, where I was, you don't just get a master's and leave, right? It wasn't really a terminal program at the master's mark. They wanted scholars, young scholars. So I was like, I'll be a young scholar and I'm going to leave after my master's degree and go be in the FBI. That was kind of my idea. Yeah. Well, I realized halfway through that program, right? As I'm transitioning to this point where I have to go get a PhD, I loved research. I loved it. And I started um, pursuing this idea of working with cold case homicide detectives. And they actually gave me so much access to partner with them. And eventually I would have a mom come in and say, I just want to know what the hell happened to my daughter. And they said, oh, well, Ashley will talk to you. And so they shoved me outside with this, this amazingly strong woman. And after about four hours, I said, this is my calling. This is what I should be doing. I should be working with these families and I should be advocating on their behalf. And so that started my career. That research is really what started my career as, a, as an advocate, as a scholar, as a speaker. It was that. Okay, hold on. You're blowing my yes. mind here because like this is... The <laughs> 
this is exactly this the, is not even the whole story no this, I'm just, this is so great no this is exactly the part like that's what i was really curious about with criminal like justice and the idea of like finding you know figuring out what happened in these cold cases trying to move mm-hmm. things forward mm-hmm. and go through the old files and and all of that but i was like again told like oh but you have to be a cop like mm-hmm. if you want to do any of that you have to be a cop and then you get mm-hmm. work through that and maybe you'll get to detective and it's this long thing and maybe yeah maybe. you gotta be in patrol then yeah. you probably yeah as a woman you'd be in sex crimes because you know, only women can handle that right right tactic, mm-hmm. right yeah. right um but no it's fascinating and so so you were discouraged as well right you had a bad advisor as well am I too old to go back and get a PhD and no god no I don't know if you want to let me let me okay sorry the record straight yeah yeah continue on (laughs) anyone else listening you do not no I'm If you like, um, if you like grueling self-torture and self-deprecation, you can just go, go to grad school. It's really great for your ego. Jeez Louise. That's why people that, once you get it, they just turn nasty. No, um, (laughs) don't do it, Heather. Um, no, for real, it's been an amazing career, but it started in 2000, really started in 2011. 2008 is when I had started this research. I was able to, uh, finish my dissertation and get my PhD with that that research project done. And I set off on this path to get my academic career started. And I was so lucky because I was doing it with my best friend by my side, um, Buddy Wellman. I had met him actually uh, about a year before I graduated with my PhD. I told him, you do not want to date me because I am leaving this city and you don't, like he's in his dream job at the University of Florida. And he's like, well, I don't have much else going on. So if you want to feel like, I would like to be with you. <laughs> oh my so gosh. It was very sweet. So that was April 30th of 2010 and April 30th of 2011, we got married. Oh my gosh. That's and, awesome. Um, yep. And right after that, I got my PhD. We went to Charleston, South Carolina. I, I love I, Charleston. I love Charleston. I was at a military institution and as you can tell, I'm a very shy, quiet, reserved little girl. Yes, oh, you are. I mean, I, I keep asking you to speak up. <laughs> so let's just say, as a non-military girl, I did not fit in very well there. I, I'm a Marine's daughter, so the, my depth of pride for the military is so deep that I thought perfect fit was not quite a perfect fit for an outgoing female scholar. And so um, I, we made our way to Missouri, and the best moment of my life was um, May 15, 2014. I gave birth to our daughter, Reagan Lynn, and she is perfection. She's six now and going on 25. Um, oh, it was that. great. Congratulations. Was great. Thank you so much. And then um, I had always, like I said, I'm a planner, so my family had always been a table of four. Like I could picture my kitchen table. It was going to be me, my husband, and my two kids. And so in 2016, Buddy and I really made this conscious decision, we're gonna have a second baby. And I was very, I don't know if it's naive, selfish, what? I just thought it was so easy that first time that like, we're gonna go for it and it's gonna be easy again. I'm such a planner. Reagan was born like the day after school ended (laughs) so that I could have the summer off. You're like, yeah, yeah, we're planners. I ended up suffering four miscarriages back to back to back to back. And what was so weird, Heather, thank you. What was so weird is that each one of them 
was such a unique experience and the emotions tied up in each one, right? And I think as women, we keep those things as like a, a shameful um, event in our life, right? Because yeah. no one talks about it. And if you are brave enough to talk about it, everyone likes to explain it away or kind of minimize what happened or give you hope that, you know, oh, you can try again. But we're not allowed to just mourn those. And so as you, no. like, yeah. So like it's, you, it's all, it's all, it's, it's still really dealt with like, oh, it's your fault. You probably right. did something right. or you're too old or you're too, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not. Or, or, and I'm a Christian woman or it's God's plan or, you know, it just wasn't in the plan. I'm like, well, God's plan sucks. So if we can just talk about that, that would be great. Right. Like don't, do not use that to justify my pain because might it be sure but it doesn't make it any easier for the well, mother. And also, does it even matter? I think no. at this point, it's like, you. why can't we allow people to just grieve? Yes. To just be like, this is a major loss. My body is wreaking, ha- my hormones are out yes. of control. I don't, you know, it's like, I'm trying to understand this. Here's this dream. Mm-hmm. And like, we do. I think, I, I'm not sure if you've experienced this. I hope you haven't. But I've had different issues, but Okay, yeah. but same kind of thing. Okay, so fertility in general is not anything to even... It's, it's hard to even discuss because people are so judgmental and have these explanations. But, but for me, I think it was, the first one was one of those, like one in four women is going to have a miscarriage. Okay. As a scientist, I can own that and say that was horrible, but it's okay. You know, but even that baby, I had had a name and a plan. And so every time it happened, you're yeah. like grieving a new child and a new dream and those, those different issues. Um, yeah. But by, I think by time four, I was just in a bad place. I had a DNC twice with, with two of them. Yeah. That fourth one, um, my poor husband had been traveling, you know, and he, I called him, I said, oh, so baby four is gone, you know? And it was almost like he was taken aback of how callous I was. Do you know what I mean? And I and he's like, Ashley, I'm getting on a plane right now. I was like, do not bother. I don't need you to come home. Like I've got it. And it was just, I was just angry. And so unfortunately that lingered for you know several months until yeah. i was brave enough really to say like i need professional help yeah, to, to cope sure. yeah to cope with that what was odd is that at the same time in my life i was supposedly thriving as a scholar right mm. and so it's like your personal life's crashing or at least the motherhood part of me was crashing and at the same time i think i threw myself into work more to be quote normal and grounded, which is a theme that you'll see come up in my life quite a bit. But, um, you know, I would miscarry in class and then go to the doctor when I finished school so that I didn't, you know, miss a day of work or anything like that. And finally, buddy looked at me one day and he's like, look, you reached tenure, which was supposed to be like, oh, when I get tenure, I'll be happy. I can calm down. And he's like, you're not happy. It didn't bring you the joy you thought. And he's like, I really want my wife back. And if you want to go be a barista at a coffee shop, if you want to buy a tiny home, like whatever it is, let's just cash it all in and let's just do something that, you know, we want. Oh, well so, done, buddy. Well done. Oh my God. Smartest man I've ever met. He's yes. just precious. Um, so he said, we should move. And I said, what the heck are you talking about? I am a tenured faculty member, which is, you know, secure and, you know, good money and whatever. And it means you've done well. And I said, you want me to move? And he was like, yeah, I think it'd be good for you. You know, like that nursery wouldn't be there. I think a fresh start, new surroundings, uh, a new journey just to distract us, I think would be good. 
So uh, I actually made a decision to give up almost everything I had achieved in my career and start over in Texas as an instructor, which is something you can do with a master's degree, which I struggled with a lot. And finally, Buddy reminded me again, wise knowledge, you're fighting for happiness, not that career success right now. Mm -hmm. And you will get the career success, Ash. Like, you know, you need to really focus on being happy and healthy. So that guided me towards this position. A group of, of people I thought were very dear friends at this new institution I was heading to. And they said, we promise you, you're gonna get that track back to tenure right here, but start, give it all up. <laughs> start here and we'll build it back together. So we did. So, um, yeah, August mm. of 2018, um, I was supposed to be starting my new job the next morning and August 12th. So it was the day before I started my new job, I heard glass shatter downstairs and I ran downstairs and buddy had collapsed in the hallway and he was seizing and not breathing. And um, he had actually grabbed a picture off the wall. And my four-year-old, I had just kissed him goodbye and my four-year-old had been in his lap. So I run downstairs, he's in the hallway. And I would later find out he had a pulmonary embolism that had hit at his lungs and he couldn't breathe. So I call 911, oh my gosh. I get the ambulance and everybody there. And all I keep thinking is like, I cannot do life without this person. I cannot do life without him. And so. Reagan, who's six now, she'll tell you, like, my mom wasn't crying. And she tells people that, oh, well, my dad died. He ends up passing away. But she's like, you know, my mom didn't cry. And I remember I explained to her all the time, mom was so scared. I couldn't cry, right? I was just so scared. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. Followed him to the hospital. They do CPR on him for about an hour. And they actually resuscitated him four times. And so this whole time, I'm still trying to brace myself for, I'm going to get to see him in a minute. And then I'm just going to ask him, what the, were you doing? <laughs> like, what were you doing? Um, don't ever do that again. And um, he would have been like, I know, mama, I'm sorry. Right? That would have been his response. Wow. But they, they pronounced him dead at 4.30. And it really wasn't until the doctor just screamed, stop. And the whole room stopped that I realized, oh, my God, he's not coming back. And so here I am, uh, you know, it's August 12th, 4.30 PM. And I've gone from supposedly, right, a very successful mother, scholar, wife. And now I'm instantly a widow, a single mom, and- You're starting my, off from- Nothing. Yeah. Oh my nothing. gosh. Yeah. Oh, that is, um, that's a test of anyone's faith. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm first of all, I'm so sorry to hear Thank that. Thank you. Happened. Thank you. I can't, mm. I cannot imagine it either. I, I literally, it was so crazy. We had just gone on like the perfect date the night before. It was just, it was just wild. Yeah. Um, and it's something about like, I kissed him goodbye, you know, in the hospital and there's no protocol and I specialize in grief and trauma. Right. And here I am a widow. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I kiss him goodbye. I promise him that I'm going to make a magical life for his daughter. And at the same time, I'm like angry and sad and, and confused as to why would I be the one who you left? Like, why would God leave me? And all I know to do is go to Barnes and Noble, my old stomping grounds. <laughs> and I, I run in and I'm like, I need every bereavement book for kids. And I'm a hot mess. Um, and 
I said, you know, my husband just died. I need these books for my kids. And this poor little 19 year old kid is, you know, stumbling through the bookshelves, trying to find these books for me. And my biggest task, like I didn't even think about that. I'm a widow. My first task was that I have a four year old who I have to go Mm -hmm. tell her dad died. Yeah. And I used to tease them like I could disappear and be on a deserted island and no one would know I was gone from the house because <laughs> they were just the best together. And it was so easy for him as a dad. So I tell her, you know, I tell her that her dad passed away and that started probably a three or four month just living nightmare of dealing with two things, my grief as a woman and as a, you know, as a mother, but then her grief and working so hard to say, Reagan, you're going to see me struggle and you're going to see me find joy and you're going to see me get professional help and we're going to get you professional help. And it really was this, um, the start. Yeah. Thank you. It was the start of like this self-discovery and this fight for sanity or whatever, you know, you could think of, um, I had gotten bereavement leave, thank God, for four months. And so that's kind of what the first four months consisted of. In that four months, I was told by a dear friend, go write, not research, creative stuff, which ends up two years later being a significant deal. But at the time was really this way to heal. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna set aside murder and sexual assault for a few minutes. And I'm dealing with my own trauma. See, what had been so my passion about the advocacy work that I did is that I didn't know that pain. And so as I felt that trauma and pain, not the same, but that level of trauma and pain, it wasn't as attractive anymore to focus on other people's trauma in that moment. I wasn't healthy enough to do that. Yeah, sure. So I started writing. Um, and I would go up to work and kind of work and write. And, um, I have an amazing colleague who's a dear friend and he and I started writing a ghost book, all kinds of fun things. And it was the first time I really saw color after Buddy died, you know, like, and it could, it sounds crazy, but I could see what I was writing and I could feel these magical worlds that I was writing about. And, um, then they announced that this job we moved for opened. So I'm like, oh my God, the heavens, I hated you, God, but I really appreciate you creating this position right away, right? Like you're kind of an asshole, but I really love you. So thank you. Um, My mom gets so mad at me (laughs) if I'm honest about. (laughs) But I think honestly, everyone has those moments. So, you know, I'm a Christian too. It's like, it's real. Like it's not all like rainbows. No, and the people that have that flawless faith, I go more power to you, but I relate so much more to a fellow Christian woman that goes, yeah, it sucks. This is, yeah. Like we're going to do it. We're not going to, you know, we still love you. You're still there. The fact that I'm talking to you is still number one, but I'm just not real, you know. Yes. I tried to, I tried to explain (laughs) to my mom, you know, Hey, we're, we're allowed to get mad at our parents, right? Which we do very frequently. So if he is my father, I'm allowed to be frustrated with him. And so absolutely he understands. No one else really needs to, but um, yes. I, I love the big guy. I really do. Yeah. Um, but so this job comes open, I get really excited and I throw myself right back into work. Cause I'm like, this is who I am. I am Dr. Ashley Wellman, the scholar. This is what I'm good at. I love my students. I will tell you, if you didn't know better, you'd think I was a kindergarten teacher. Cause I just find joy and you know, all this passion from the kids that I teach. And, um, and so I have a good friend on the committee And I thought I had two good friends on the committee and I find out that um, one of my, my people that I thought was very, very close with me was actually advocating against 
my consideration for this position. Because and, of what had happened? Mm-hmm. Because, oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. So I think in hindsight, I think the fact that I was thriving and loving creative writing was kind of a threat to the traditional definition of what a successful scholar was, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, had it been distracting from my job, I would understand it, but I think it was just different. And I don't think people do well with different. And I know that people don't do well with grief. And so there were definitely moments where I would cry and that was not okay. And I would laugh and that wasn't okay. (laughs) You know, so I think it's that struggle of sometimes when trauma hits, your world shifts, but your place in the world shifts too. And so for me, I think I was thrusting myself back into my definition of Ashley, who was successful. And, uh, And now I can say about a year later, I'm grateful that I wasn't given that position, right? Um, But at the moment, I felt more vulnerable and more broken than I had at any other point in my life. Because honestly, in the midst of grieving, I could say, yes, my definition of motherhood has changed. Yes, my definition of wife has changed, but I am Dr. Ashley Wellman, scholar, criminologist. This is me. And that's what I knew I was good at. Now, I'm still Dr. Ashley Wellman, (laughs) the scholar and criminologist, but that doesn't mean that that is the only definition of who I am. Yes. And so for, you know, like several more months, I'm grieving. How could they do that? Right. Because I had fought to prove myself for this entry level position 12 years into my career, you know, 11 years into my career. And the reality is that's all I had left. Like, this is it. And then I had a friend have to kick me in the rear end and say, that's horse crud. Okay, I'm just going to call it the way it is. You can listen to the way a very small group of people have defined your worth, who you are, like what you're, what you're capable of. Or you can realize that there's a lot more people in your corner fighting for you to be happy, healthy, and successful. But your definition has got to change of what successful looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, wait, I don't like that. <laughs> That's a lot of, that's a lot of self-reflection and work. Okay. (laughs) Let me do what's easy. And I know. Um, And so I sat back and I said, what if Ashley Wellman, a criminologist could also be Ashley Wellman, children's book author and small business owner and something that really had been this healing tool. What if that actually became a way to thrive? And I remembered like, wait a minute, what I'm doing right now is not the magic I promised Buddy I was gonna give his daughter, not at all. And in promising I was gonna make a magical life for her, that gives me permission to make a magical life for Ooh, me too. That's you know, good. and I, yeah. I just learned this last month because I said it to my therapist and she was like, hmm, so you get the magic too. And I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I think, you know, we do, we tell our kids, you can be anything you want you know, be brave, try new things, trust yourself. You're good at so many things, you know, uh, and then we do not define ourselves like that. I think the older we get, the less liberty we give ourselves for what we're allowed to do when we really, absolutely. Yeah. And when really the older you get, the more free you ought to get because we're older, wiser, more experienced. And, and, and we don't care as much what people think. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Now that I will tell you what, Heather, the moment I said, Cause I said, I'm going to be a children's book author. Dr. Ashley Wellman still going to be Dr. Ashley Wellman, but she is going to go do something else that makes her healthy and happy uh-huh. so that her daughter sees her laugh more than she sees her cry. Right. And then my physical health would come back and my mental health would come back. 
And so I marched down, I opened up a small business, Ray of Sunshine after Reagan. And I said, I'm going to publish, distribute, and create a world around her best friend, which is this posable skeleton Fresno. And it is going to be a series about diversity and inclusion and self-love and acceptance. And then I'm going, wait a minute, that's kind of the messages that I'm trying to discover that I'm teaching my daughter through grief, right? That being different makes her special. And so I, I wrote that book. I called my illustrator. I said, this is not a joke anymore. I'm going to make this my livelihood. Like, let's go ahead and rock and roll. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I am now. And I'm having to let go of a lot of things. The way acad academia has said, there's one path to success and that is a tenure track job at an R1 institution. And if you're not doing that, you know, research one institution. If you're not doing that, then God bless you. You just didn't make it. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Instead of, oh, I, totally. I look at some of my other friends who have left academia and who are running, you know, institute the, the Department of Justice or who are, you know, one girl's an artist. And I'm like, more power to you, you owned what you wanted. You didn't follow that narrow path of success. So I had to break that. I had to break the concern of people who truly love me. There's no other message, but of like, Ashley, you're a single mom. You have to have that stable paycheck. You, you know, like, are you guaranteed money if you do this? And I'm like, I'm not guaranteed anything, but that stability of what we thought was also guaranteed, right? If you look at my Vita, the, my job should have been guaranteed and it wasn't. And then you have COVID hit and every one of us knows somebody who's losing their job, whose spouse lost their job, whose company shut down. So nothing's stable. Mm -mm. But I said, you know what? I have it's a brave to brave new world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have to give myself permission, which is, I think the hardest permission ever to put my health and my happiness first. And mm, th bravo. That, that's been my endeavor right now. And God, is it hard work, Heather? It is. It such is. Hard work. It is. It's really hard to lie. I mean, it's really easy to not take care of yourself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to deny and deflect and like overwork and like don't eat the right foods and don't yeah. work out and like yes. all of the things. Like it's so easy to just be negative and to, yeah. But it's really hard um, to A, like, choose a passion project and go go all in on it be like then you have to force yourself you have to find people to keep you motivated and like high you on that like 10,000 foot view because yes. you, and like literally I find myself limiting I mean I hate to say it, but I start to limit the people that have access to me I filter mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I don't have I don't have the capacity for the negative or that yeah. I don't even have the time for it yeah. like I even the mindset for mm -hmm. it so it's like no. you know we live in this social media world so it's like oh who's my friends in quote, right? Yes. And and we we are friends with people on Facebook who don't have our best interests at heart, who, you know, colleagues that are rooting for you to fail or yeah. you know, whatever else. And it's it's a scary world because I think there's this I have this ultimate raw desire to be vulnerable and to share my story and to um, share love and, and exciting things. And I'm never I'm not perfect. I mess up. So like, you know, I'm human. But I also think there's a, a drawback of that where like there is this desire to like, maybe I should just keep it all to myself because it limits judgment. It limits. 
Yeah, you know, but the, the thing yeah. is, because it scares the heck out of other people and because they can't do it, but that's not a reason to not do it. I can tell you as of like, like literally this week, I overshared and was really, really vulnerable in some mm -hmm. of my art projects with mm -hmm. someone who I thought was a friend. And then I thought, oh my God, here I am. Maybe that was a mistake and I need to reevaluate that. Like, mm -hmm. I love how you blame yourself though. I do the same thing where yes. I'm like, I should have never said that. And I'm like, you know, I actually, I did a podcast about the truth of my career, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. You know, like I still work there. And I'm like, I didn't say anything ugly. I respect and care about those people. What was done to me hurt and was wrong and mm -hmm. ruined my life and broke my heart. That's my story. So, yes. you know, it I, now I don't want to be ugly about anybody because they're great people. That was just a bad, hurtful move. Yeah. You know, and so it was those kinds of things though, but I, I sat there all night and was like, oh God, I hope well, what happens when that airs. Oh gosh, I shouldn't have said that. And then it goes, ah, huh, that's our story. Yeah. I, I love how we're, it's so hard for us to be like, no, no, no. I really was hurt. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. This really happened. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely am on the same page. I'm also a recovering codependent. So I am oh, learning mm -hmm. to be like really questioning myself, like, my recent thing that I've been like saying is like, who told you you were responsible for everyone else? And I'm like, yes, I right. need that. I am not. I'm not responsible for that yes. person's feelings. If they want to feel yes. bad, then I don't need to fix yes. it. That's it is my job at. to try to be kind and yes. to be yes and to supportive. Be, yes, kind. Yes, but Love then you. if I'm living my authentic life and I'm not trying to hurt you and you don't want to fit into that world that's a decision that you have to make. Yes. 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 It's, yes. um, yeah, there is a lot to, and I, I think the thing that people, you know, or at least I'm learning and embracing more as I'm, um, wisening, <laughs> but is that it literally it's, it, it is a piece by piece process and it's daily. It's like every day I'm actively looking for ways and opportunities to grow. Yes. And every day I'm met with like tremendous, like, just tremendous blessings, really, like just like in, in the shape of lots of things. And mm -hmm. I just think, um, and sometimes those blessings are not always like, it's not like a perfect, like, you know, a unicorn with rainbows and whatever, you know, sometimes it's a pile of poop, yes. but that pile of poop caused me to not do something else. It's like yes. a blessing in disguise, or it taught me a really great lesson. And I'm like, thank you, poop. I don't want to do that again. But I'm really grateful for that lesson really that you just taught me. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like you said, it is this daily thing. And, and I think one of the things that sets us back is that for me, it's been about grace and daily grace for not only myself, but for other people and for my daughter and patience, which is my least strong virtue. I am not patient yeah. whatsoever. And so I think what's funny is you do feel that daily fight of like, if this is the woman I want to be. And I, I give myself grace that as long as I'm striving towards her, Sometimes it's okay that she's not perfect because that is a new lesson for me. I've always been a perfectionist, like you said. Oh, rec yeah, yeah, recovering like, perfectionist. It's yeah. like, it's I real. lie down and I think about all the things I did wrong or all the things I should have done or all the things I didn't finish or all the things I could have done better. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It and so one of the things I'm trying to do now is when I lay my head down saying, Ash, good job today. You brushed your teeth and you, you made the best damn cup of coffee, girl that barista dream hasn't died, right? Like it is still yes, there. Yes. So, or, or, or saying you're like, oh my gosh, Ashley, like you did a podcast tonight, you know, and that's enough. And that's enough for the next couple of days, you know, and giving yourself realistic expectations and treating yourself with the love you would give to your kids or to your best friend. That is hard 
it is very hard. At least for me, it is. It is, especially mm-hmm. when, you know, I think too, it's interesting when you're going back to like your upbringing, your parents and their focus. And it's like my parents, I think we're the same age group because like mm-hmm. my parents were the same way where it's like, we're young 21 year olds, right? Exactly. Also I'm 36 ish. <laughs> yes. I'm, I won't say what I'm not. No, no I'm, I'm in my forward. I'm in yeah. my mid forties. And okay, um, yeah, but, but still my parents were very, um, very concerned. I mean, their parents went through like the depression, mm-hmm. their parents, you know, mm-hmm. they had, you know, dust bowl years, all of that. They remember all of that. So like for us, it was like, you're creative, you're talented, but it better make money. Otherwise, yes. you know, just do it on the side. That's a hobby. Like, yeah. It's a hobby. You, you find a real job of security and healthcare yes. and then you do those things on the side. Yes. And, um, that's kind of been my MO my whole life. So I'm exhausted. I've been working mm-hmm. multiple jobs my whole life. Now you're an artist. You're, I'm a musician. I was a ballet dancer to start. And I also, and so when I was dancing ballet, I was working in dialysis as a technician. Well, God bless you. Because, well, I mean, I'm, I'm actually really good sticking needles. So if anyone's listening and like, perfect, needs perfect. <laughs> worst, one of the worst moments of my life, I was pregnant. I had to get blood drawn oh. for uh, health insurance and she stuck me 10 times after I had fasted. Oh, and I told her, I said, girl, you have got to go. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. And the needles that we use, they're, they're huge. They're really, oh. it's a bit different. Um, yeah. but, um, but yeah, no, that was the job I could get to work with the, mm-hmm. my dream career of being a ballet mm-hmm. dancer, because I could work from five 30 to two 30 and take a quick nap and then go to the studio and take class and then rehearse oh. and like do, yeah. and I didn't sleep or eat for years and like was really cranky. It's not but, good. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you weren't that healthy in all realms either for, for that. No, it's, and you're so hard on yourself. It's so, and I think, so going back to this whole idea of like, I think the perfectionism comes in and it's like, it's not always like, I know my parents love me. They don't Mm -hmm. mean to be critical and like, you know, like you better be perfect. But I think that they just came from this. There was such a heightened sense of pressure to succeed. Like Mm -hmm. you had to succeed. Otherwise you weren't going to eat. If you didn't work those, you know, if you didn't figure it out, you were going to be destitute. And I think, um, unfortunately I'm having, you know, I definitely have a lot of that pressure on myself. So I'm trying to also be kinder and mm-hmm. like remind myself that the 12 things that I did today, it's okay. Like that, you know, and like, so, and as the perfectionist in me looks at the room, that's not clean or the laundry oh. that's not done or the whatever. And I tell myself to shut the heck up yes. and that you're just absolutely fine. And you're going to sit on your butt yes. and not do anything. The world will go on and the world will go on. No one cares that my laundry's not, no one's here. No one sees it. My dog doesn't care. Like no, no one cares. The house looks great, Heather, behind you. The house <laughs> looks you. great. Now in front of my camera, the other way, right? it does not. Yeah. We won't but show that view. This bookcase is looking sharp. <laughs> Clean. Yes. Thank you. Oh my I, gosh. There's at least 12 square feet of my house. It's really neat. Oh my God. Yes. No, I mean, I it's agree. all about video. It's all about perception. Is everything? Yes. It's amazing. Well, I okay. will tell you though, I think, oh. I think the definition of, of success and, and failure really is just something that, that is a generational change that's happening, which is a blessing, but I think it's hard for us to catch up to. When it. you that- figure out how to, how to define success mm-hmm. health in a healthy way, let me know. I I struggle because I'm like, it's enough to get here. It's enough just to be doing this, just to be enjoying and you know, the next thing, cause that's me. 
But I don't, yeah, exactly. I'm constantly like, but I need to do this, but I need to do that. It's like, right. And once I do it, I'm like, if I, if this happens, I'll celebrate. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. Because when the next thing happens, I'll celebrate. So you keep chasing. And for me, it's that patience, grace, and then being present in the moment. I am not good at that yet, but I am Heather, you and I will work on that together. That is my, I'm checking in with you. We're going to, we're going to do another, another interview and yes. I'm gonna check in and we're going to give a report. Each of us we're will gonna give do, a report. Yeah. Like, we're going to do accountability. Our, yes. <laughs> Are yeah. we doing? Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait. So, um, speaking of your bookshelf and your wonderful book behind you, I want to lead into this briefly because I think it's fascinating. I don't know if you know, Thank Jess you. Laurie. Do I you know don't, Jess? I know that name. Okay. Just because it's a very interesting thing. Um, she's an author. She was an instructor, a creative writing instructor whose husband sadly killed himself. And the way that she dealt with it was to start writing murder books. And she has an alphabet, a murder by alphabet series that I have read all of. That's amazing. That's where I knew it from. Yes. 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 Okay. Or no, murder by month. I'm sorry. Not alphabet. Sorry, Jess. Yes. By month. Yeah. Okay. Oh my, yes. I need to know Jess. Jess but and I are going to be friends. Yes. Now, look so. her up because I, <laughs> I, I want, I really, I think it's so fascinating that it's real, that writing is a tool for healing. Oh my God. And Anything artistic, like it, anything artistic, music is healing, um, uh, you know, drawing and painting and acting and any of those things, because I think it taps into a different uh, emotion and in kind of side of our brain that says like, just be present in the now and express yourself now. And it's not so much, it's more about the process and the final product, which is odd for perfectionists, right? We're about the final product, but it's about that whole process of really discovery and expression. And I think in those painful moments, that's such a healing and powerful thing. That's your thing. I'm in control of my art, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And I also think, especially with fictional art or, or like writing stories or singing, writing songs that are like narrative driven, Mm -hmm. it's like, um, you can also kind of hide behind, like you can, you know, hide within your characters and, and kind of work through with your characters and go anywhere you want. Yeah. Go anywhere you want. So now Fresno is is hilariously yes. precious. Yes. Um, but I did a ghost book too. And, and so we were in, you know, in my head, I was in London and I was doing these, you know, macabre Gothic things. And, but Fresno, despite what people might think, he is a skeleton. He is year round fun and the perfect kind of friend. So um, the girl who dances with skeletons, my friend Fresno, is a story about my daughter, Reagan and her best friend, Fresno. I was so blessed to partner with Zachary Thomas Kincaid. So if you know Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light, his nephew, Zach, is just this guy. He's like 28 years old. He's this brilliant artist and so unique in his own style. You know, everyone like, I feel bad for him because he's in this, you know, shadow of a, a god of art, right? But Zach has completely owned it and taking taken on his own um, work body of work. So if you're interested, ZachKincaidArt.com. He's just amazing. Um, He's also been a mental health counselor of, hey, Ash, chill out. Art is not perfect, right? Get get it done. But it's about as near perfect as you can get. I'll just show you. Let me tell you to listeners who are not seeing this and, and just listening, the illustrations in this book are so brilliant and beautiful and fabulous. And like, I love this book. It's, and the message is amazing. Thank you. The message is just, this is my favorite. It makes me cry a little bit because he's so lonely. 
because um, everyone but, thought he was different. Yeah. And did they think he didn't have a heart? <laughs> There's a lot of really fun. Here's a, yeah, here's the thing that I love beyond the beautiful artwork and beyond the, um, I think this story is pretty good too, because I know the author, yeah. but, um, but the, the message is that, you know, we're all different and it's so natural to kind of push away things that are different or not want to be a part of things that are different. And so poor Fresno finds himself with no one to play with until he meets Reagan, who is dressed as a skeleton when he meets her. And, you know, I love that. So he yes. thinks that she's going to understand that. Yeah. So he says like, she might get me and understand me. So he follows her home and tells him, you know, tells her about his backstory of not not being loved. And Meanwhile, Reagan in the first part of the book has already friends with monsters. She's already comfortable. Oh, for sure. She has lots of monster friends. <laughs> right. Cause we all have monsters and we all have people around us who are so different and, and to many might be very scary because they're different. But the reality is, is they're just misunderstood. Like Reagan says in the book. Right. And when mm -hmm. we get to know them, everyone would want someone like Fresno for a best friend. And she takes you through the, the reasons he's, he's great. Um, Which the, I love. That they're different, right? She has blonde hair and he has, well, no hair at all. And um, he's an amazing art critic. He thinks my work is jaw dropping and his little jaws falling off. And so, um, but the most profound part is at the end of the book, she says, you know, Fresno's learned to love himself. And I've learned a lot from Fresno too. It doesn't matter if we come from the same type of family, if we look the same, or if we like the same things, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes our greatest friends are the ones we least expect. Make no bones about it. I love that. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. How can people get a hold of this? Because uh, tell me, tell me. <laughs> yes. They, I think adults and kids alike will like it. It's really for a reading level. It's about um, ages three to eight, but um, I have older kids who just love it because it's funny. And, um, and then I have adults who love it because they feel like we all need this message, right? Of diversity and inclusion and acceptance. But my friend Fresno's everywhere. If you want to be part of our skeleton crew, you can follow us at my friend Fresno. Um, that's going to be on Twitter, on TikTok for now. I think we still have about six hours to figure out what's going on with that. With that. <laughs> You're brave. <laughs> right? Um, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And then at our website right now, we have an ebook available for anyone who's not in the United States or anyone who's just super eager to see the book right away. And it's at www.myfriendfresno.com. Dot com. And there you'll also see the hardcover book. I'll be signing it for anyone who buys it. I'm, I'm signing them before I ship them out. There's a precious plush doll that's embroidered. And then there's um, puzzles for kids and for adults. So I had to make myself a 500 piece puzzle. And it is the picture of Reagan dressed as a skeleton in the hallway. Aww. So it's super cute. Fresno's peeking in, out the school door and Reagan's in her Halloween costume. And it's all the little kids at school dressed for Halloween and little Fresno's right there as a skeleton. So super cute. I will tell you, it's a great book to prompt the conversation about why the child you're reading it to is so uniquely beautiful, whether it's, um, you know, your child might have a learning disability or, um, a, you know, any kind of, of a physical difference or um, gender identity, sexual identity, any of those things that make us unique in and of ourselves, different religions, right? Um, not the mainstream, different faiths and things of that nature. And for me, it allows us to have a conversation about the importance of embracing and celebrating, not tolerating, embracing and celebrating people yes. that don't look and think and act like we do. Because how boring is it if everyone around me is just like me? I, 
Yeah, I thrive in environments where I just get to love on people who are different because they add all this zest and spice to your life with no threat. Yes, and to, so much I believe color, so much like, like just beauty. Like I love it, and uh, I honestly get really freaked out if I'm in a room of people that look like me, like that all look like me, and yes. I'm kind of like. It makes me really uncomfortable. Like conveyor belts where they just like, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, wait a second. That's not, this isn't healthy. Yeah. Our <laughs> world is just more magical when we mm-hmm. engage with other people and different faiths and different sexualities and those kinds of things, because it just, yes. it makes our life richer and deeper. And so um, that is a great book for that. So not only talking to your kid about why they're special and unique, but why the people around them are so powerful and amazing because of their uniqueness. And so that's the purpose of the book. My goal is to be in elementary schools um, and to be working with little ones about, you know, like you'd be so amazing. I mean, you're the energy and how you're just glowing and you're so passionate about it. I'm like, I would, I'll get, I'll be in your class. Please be, please be. (laughs) And if you guys, yeah, if you jump on our website, that www.myfriendfresno.com, if you jump on there, I do have a couple games and worksheets for parents to start having those conversations. And for your listeners, Heather, we are going to do dream 20 as a coupon code so that they can save 20% on any of the goodies that they want to buy. And um, that'll help them get, you know, and spread the love of my friend Fresno. Yes, I love it. Thank you so much. I will be sure to add all of this in the show notes and be promoting it on social media. Thank but that's you. so exciting. I definitely, uh, I want to get my plush doll. Oh, he's my so book. cute. You're going to love him. He is six-year-old approved. He's so soft. And the book just warms my heart. It is the first in a series. So Heather, I'm going to pull you along through the other books. I was um, going to ask you, I'm like, what's next? Because yeah. I know you've already started working. Like, yeah. You know it. Fresno uh-huh. Finds His Heart and Fresno's First Christmas are two of our next books oh that are going to come I out. Love it. Very, uh, very cute. And I will tell you, Fresno's heart was there all along. He just had to know it. Of course himself, it was. Of, of course. course it was. Um, but I just, this was the coolest show because I think the moment I saw the title flipped dreams, I said, one, thank you for spreading this message that we can pivot and we can change and we can dream big, but we can also chase that dream because it's people like you, I think that give us the courage to do it right and i hope younger generations that we're spreading a message of saying happiness and health is part of a dream yes. and you're allowed to chase that right and, and yeah. the, the the other things will come right yes you need money yes you need this and that but i think we've we've become so focused on the material stuff that we stop remembering how cheap it can truly be to make memories and to you know like do these really yes. life-changing things because we're always in pursuit of that paycheck that we'll never spend because we're grinding ourselves to death. So I'm pumped <laughs> to be yes. To oh be my god! again. Yeah. And for being on your show. Oh my God. I'm so great. This has been this such an injection for me. And I feel like we have so many similarities oh. that, um, perhaps we're like, you know, related on some, no, I'm just kidding. But like kind of sisterhoods going on. Where are you located, Heather? I'm in Alabama now, but my family's, uh, from my dad's side's from Texas. My, my, uh, 
I grew up in the Northwest, the Pacific okay. Northwest, and like I've lived all over. I've oh my lived. gosh! Well, I'm a Florida girl originally. I'm a Pensacola girl, so that's like Alabama. Which I lived in Pensacola before I came here. See, I See? think I'm just actually stalking you, but I think consciously, like I don't right. consciously do it from now on because I okay, want to cool. be in your life, yes, and yes, I think yes, yes. I need your energy and your wisdom, and I can yes. share what little I have. To yes, me. I love it. I love it, and I love that like. That, you know, we're constantly evolving. It's like, we don't even really know. I mean, we know parts of the, we know parts of our story and we know parts of where like the dream is, but we don't even know what it's going to be like. And I think that that's kind of when, once you embrace not knowing and you see it as this magical thing of like each day is kind of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like Mm -hmm. what kind of things are going to happen? It's going to be magical. That makes life really fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. That's it. I just told someone, I said, Hey, listen, sometimes chapters end like the Sopranos did and you're really not happy, but I would, but the show was so worth it, you know? And like (laughs) when we have these moments in our lives where we feel like our world is falling apart, it's like that end just wasn't great. That's okay. That was a billion dollar empire. Okay. No one bears upset about the way that (laughs) Sopranos ended. So just now they're going, okay, what else could we do? Right. What else could we do? So just to me, I'm starting to view it as an, either an author or a you know production house that goes, we finished that amazing show, kind of stunk at the end. That's all right. We're going to write the next you know big hit show and do it again. And so we do get permission to recreate ourselves. And I think allowing that is one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves. Yes. And, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to go from, you know, face down to like, you know, I mean, there is a process. It's not easy. But the thing is, is that you're a testament as well of like, if you do the work and you just dedicate and you love yourself and you put what's important first, before you know it, you're going to be over the rough parts and then you're going to be experiencing joy again. And you're going to be like really excited and it'll be like a whole new, I feel like I've lived already three, like full lives, total lives. lives, like total. Oh my God, like, for sure. I'm like, okay, Ashley, this girl, Ashley, buddy's wife, Ashley, the scholar, Ashley. Yes. The, and what's crazy is like, how blessed are we? I always think now, like I've started to put in my head, like when I'm having a really hard day, because we do, even as joyous people, yes. have really hard days and I'm trying to quantify them as moments and not days so that my whole day is not ruined. But like, we have yeah. some dark moments. Let's have you know what wins. I've started saying to myself <laughs> when things go bad and I start to get like dark or whatever, and I'm like, well, that's an opportunity waiting to be discovered. I, I start to talk to myself and be like, well, okay, so you just dump coffee all over the freaking floor mm-hmm. and like your computer just crashed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an opportunity to turn this around. Well, <laughs> let's, this is good. This is I'm, very good. Right. Excellent. <laughs> I'm so excited to clean up dog poop off of whatever. Yeah, you know, so like I just try to like laugh about it because yes. it, it is hard. Like it, I definitely have tough days. I have many moments when I question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and like, and then I just have to let it go and just do it because I love it. As long as your feet hit the floor the next day, you get to start all over again. And if you have four bad days in a row, that's cool. Because one day, as long as you keep putting those feet on the floor, right? One day it's going to go, this was a great day. Yeah. And you start making those steps and you give yourself grace and those steps go backwards and you just keep pushing forward. So even as joyful ones. That's right. It's not always joyful. It's just that the pursuit never stops. It's a, it, and it's endurance. It really is endurance. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I think that we do, unfortunately, our culture is very, 
Um, we want quick validation. We want things to happen overnight. Why is my book not on the bestseller oh list? My God. It just came out. <laughs> you know, why is I mean, my book here? Like, what is? Yes, all of yeah, this. Mm-hmm. all of that. And I think that it's it again goes back to patience, which I struggle with too, and just being like, just because it's not happening right now, like right, like yesterday, when I think it should, doesn't mean that like when it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen and it's going to be great. And like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like I, I, I really struggle. Yes, in I that have... waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In that waiting, it's like, if you stop and look around, you can create other magical things while you're waiting. And that's been the biggest eye opener for me as a small business owner. And with Fresno, you know, like here I am and I'm going, Oh my gosh, production got pushed back another 30 days. COVID killed us. Do you know what I mean? When it came to timeline, so my poor customers, you know, they pre-ordered and they're all excited and I'm going, it's coming as soon as it can, you know? And, but in that time of waiting, we've been able to develop the, you know, ancillary products. I've been able to reach out on podcasts. I've been able to bond with schools and other organizations. And I don't know if I hadn't been forced to slow down, if I would have really been able to look around. So sometimes those delays or those, those uh uh-ohs, right? If we pause in that and we look around, there's a lot of beautiful things that could happen. It's funny. Um, so, uh, this podcast came out of, so I wrote, um, I was working on this book about flipping dreams. Like it's like a fixer upper, like, so I was an HGTV fanatic and I was like, why can't you just flip your dreams? Like you flip a house. And so I wrote this whole book that it's like, you know, it's like demo day and excavation and you frame it in and you design a blueprint, whatever. But it's all about with exercises about like how to overcome and like re reimagine your right, like flip your dreams and like build that dream life that you want, I love out, that. you know? And I so that. can you yeah. ship lap it? Like, is there a ship lap? Oh, oh, of course. Yes. For sure. Okay, oh, of for course. Sure. Yeah. You know? And like, so, um, so I'm like working on this and then I'm pitching it to agents and this agent was like, okay, I'm interested, but you really need to build up your marketing, like your, your, you know, your platform. And so I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then COVID hits and I'm like, okay. Um, I was like, well, you know what? People might really need these skills now because there's a lot of people like losing their work and like trying to figure out or trying to figure out like how, how do you move forward? How do you reimagine this? So I turned it into a course. So then the course is online and it wasn't getting a lot of traction, but you know, it was like, it's online. It's there. I've done it. And then I was like in the middle of the night, woke up and was like podcast. I'm like, really podcast. And it was like, okay, well it's 4am. So I'm lying there in bed, trying not to wake my dog, like scrolling through. And I find this, I'm like, how to put, how to do a podcast. So I read and it was on, on Buzzsprout and it was like, the whole article literally from beginning to end tells you everything, including what equipment to buy, what to, I mean, it's amazing. By 9 a.m. that morning, I had my artwork done and had already registered the podcast. And within a week, I had my first episode. And Well, see, that's why you're we successful because you started <laughs> and you didn't wait for it to be perfect or the great time or to be an just expert went. on it. You just did it. And that's what I did. I don't know what I'm doing. But I it's don't. fabulous. No, it's I great. Don't. Yes. <laughs> I'm like a mad woman, which is probably where half the anxiety comes from, but I'm so much happier in control of saying like, Ash, if you want it, chase it. If you want it, do it. And it's all about the passion though. I mean, I think that's the thing. And I think this is like also something I'm focusing on right now. It's like with my music and everything, it's like what I bring to table, I might not be perfect. I might not have the greatest songs. I might like not play the guitar the best, or I might not have the greatest voice, 
but I have a passion that's uniquely mine. And I think everyone has passions that are uniquely theirs. And when you tap into those passions, watch out because that's when things happen. Like exactly you, right. you can't even, cause once you, once you light that spark, I mean, it's just watch out. Yes, you better, it's you amazing. Better get ready for the fire to come. Yes, right. yes. Oh my god, so, I love that. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, thank you. And I'm glad I'm like, finally, I'm like, I'm like, well, okay, it is what it is. I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what this. Who is. knows what happens? Maybe you'll be a yeah. Maybe podcasting is a thing. It's opening yourself up to that journey. And but I love it. It's an excuse to have wonderful conversations like this weekly. I'm opening my myself to a community of people that are really like high vibe and, and encouraging. And I'm sharing that with other people. And that's like, that's what I do. That's what I'm really good at is like being that, that whatever, that networker, that catalyst. And so, um, I love it. I'm well, you made a new you. friend with me. So yes, thank you yay. because I think we, we bring a lot to, uh, enrich the other person's lives. So thank I, you for bringing I, a little smile to my face. All day. Oh my gosh. You are amazing. And I am so excited for your book to come out. And thank like, you. also I will definitely be following up with you because, um, just because you're cool thank and you. <laughs> we will celebrate our milestones together. Oh gosh, yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you to anyone who's listening. Jump on, be our friend. Like yes. I said, be part of that little skeleton crew. We are wacky and wild and try to keep it like lighthearted and fun so that people really start to embrace this idea of being different as something that isn't scary. It's something that is to be celebrated and enjoyed. Oh, that is perfect. Thank you so much. Thank what you, Heather. Great, what a great chat. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flipping Dreams, you will find links to Ashley's book and her online content in the show notes. And don't forget to use the Dream 20 discount to get a discount on your book or skeleton plush toy or whatever else she has for sale. Um, I just, again, can't thank you all enough for tuning in and sharing and, uh, it's really my pleasure to bring you these conversations every week. So we'll see you next time here on Flipping Dreams. Mm-hmm.